0: Today's show is brought to you by paintyourlife.com. Text the word cognitive to 64,000 for 20% off your first purchase and free shipping. And today's show is
1: brought to you by adamandeve.com. Go to adamandeve.com right now and you'll get 50% off just about any item. All you have to do is enter the code word glory, G-L-O-R-Y, at checkout.
2: This is Josh, a.k.a. Stone Banana, from my divorce last year my dad just dying from COVID, and all the insanity between, you guys gave me a reason to laugh. And I'm so grateful for those live streams because it gave me something to look forward to every week and a way to return that favor. Congratulations on 600, and I hope to hear 600
3: more
0: hi tom and cecil congratulations on your 600 episode from david in edinburgh still remember the pleasure of meeting you in the puzzling of thunderstorm guys in that fateful evening in edinburgh i had a pleasure um i don't think everybody else did all the best from scotland
3: congratulations on 600 episodes this is amanda the motorbike lady i've been listening for probably 14 years i joined in for the sharp insightful rhetorics and dick jokes and I stayed for your intelligence and unwavering compassion. I hope you get to Melbourne someday. I'd love to buy you a coffee.
4: Hello, Tom and Cecil and
2: Ian. Happy 600 episodes and a big hug from Santiago de Chile.
3: Tom, Cecil, congratulations on 600 episodes from Alfred in South Carolina. Met you guys at ReasonCon. Glory hole, you motherfuckers.
5: Hello Ian, I just want to congratulate you on 600 advertisements for Adam and Eve, whatever that is, and your excellent Thursday night livestream. I've been a patron and listener for almost over one day now, so keep up the good work. Just one small point, I don't understand why you have the other two guys in your videos. From John Pearson in Ireland.
6: Recording live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago and beyond, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way, we bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome at. This is
1: episode... 600B 600B we decided to skip so, no we're going to keep 601 601 will be next 601 we're not going we're not going right it. to 602 we're not going to go no. this is this is we're Don't. splitting these two episodes up I can barely count as is the one big episodes one big giant 601 6 600 and 600A and 600B this is the finishing. this is the finishing of of that last week that we started um we're going to be doing more interviews this week a lot more fun to be had Uh, We hope you guys enjoy it. So we are joined by Cara Santamaria. Kara, this is our 600th show, and we want to invite our favorite guests that we've had in the last 600 shows. We, we're so excited to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
7: Thanks for having me. That's so sweet. Favorite <laughs> guest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were like number eight, but
1: still, I mean, I'm not gonna. Uh, <laughs> Top ten, bitch. <laughs> I'll take yeah, it. Don't get too excited. <laughs> yeah. I
6: mean, this is—it's still this show. At the end of the day, it's <laughs> yeah, still this I program. Mean, you know,
1: admittedly, not, we've only had like ten total guests yeah, on the just, show. So.
6: <laughs> it was names out of a hat. Let's allowed. be honest, Cecil. It was names from a hat. You it was know, true. Know, a lot of people true, after yeah. the first time they came on said we'll never go back on the show. So <laughs> I mean, it's—it's it's Right population
1: right. Right. For, for sure. For sure. For sure. Kara, we, uh, so y- you know, we're in the middle, still in the middle of this pandemic. It's funny. We talked to you maybe like six months ago. We're still in the middle of this pandemic, it turns out. When we talk so in six months, I, I think wanna, we'll
6: still be in the middle. I, <laughs> again, yes. no. it's yeah. still the middle. The really
1: it <laughs> really is. <laughs> yeah. But in any case, so let I'm just gonna ask you a question. So like let's say we could rewind time, but we can only go back to February of last year. So we can just go back to February of last year. Hard we know for sure yourself. there's a pandemic coming. We know there's a pandemic coming. What could we do different in February till now to change the outcomes of where we're at? Do you have any idea what we could have done differently?
7: Well, okay. So we would have had to go before that and not elect Donald Trump. I don't think that there's a <laughs> lot. I mean, honestly, we didn't have much yeah. power. <laughs> We couldn't yeah. have done much differently because <laughs> right. even if we, the thing is we knew what we needed to do and we had somebody behind the reins who just refused to do it. So w- the yeah. only thing we really could have done differently is to not have had him there in the first place. I remember in, in February, I went to Kazakhstan um, to see a rocket launch at the like historic Baikonur Cosmodrome. I went to see um, <gasps> sounds amazing Soyuz capsule uh, launch. I'm not and jealous and- at all. What? Yeah, I know. Right. I'm not jealous Jesus at Christ. all. I'm yeah, so super
6: awesome. fucking jealous. jealous. I so can't even God.
7: stand it right now. God damn! It. <laughs> it was, <laughs> first of all, though, it was really cold. <laughs> like cra- It's crazy <laughs> cold in Kazakhstan in early February. But because the glo- we already knew that there was a like epidemic happening in China and Kazakhstan borders China so when i was visiting it was the first taste of like every airport there were people in the airports in the full bunny suits like taking people's temperatures and for me it was so Um, surreal because it looked like, you know, the movie Contagion and nothing had happened back at home yet. Like we now know that there were cases kind of circling in uh, Seattle first and then New York, but at the time we didn't, we thought it was localized there. So I'm like, okay, I'm in a country that borders We're just all being extra cautious, but it was bananas to see how um, these like public health measures were in place. And then it was even more bananas to see how long it took for those public health measures to go into place here at home.
6: Well, I mean, you have to admit, though, oftentimes when you think of you know, the, the first most, you know, technologically advanced nations, we think Kazakhstan. We always, all of us, it just- it, <laughs> Right, it absolutely. Just, it's it just explodes the first thing. off the top of the mind. Yeah. Like, okay, who's gonna knock this one out of the
1: park first? And obviously, we actually inv- it's Kazakhstan. We actually invited them to be on the six hundred show, but they turned us right. down, Kazakhstan <laughs> turned us down. So. And to be clear, right.
7: you're, you're so, like, in a way, it, you're so right. Like, I'm in an airport that only has one gate Where the people there are, you know, (laughs) fully up to speed. They're they're taking temperatures. Like I said, they're in full PPE. But we have paper handwritten tickets. (laughs) Like it's, you know, it's like on the one hand. Well, you know, that does speak
6: though that like the bulk of the of the major public health measures that needed to be taken early on were not technologically driven. They were not technologically advanced. They were essentially the same measures that we took in 1918. To, mm-hmm. to try to limit the spread of the Spanish flu. So they're 100-year-old techniques to reduce the spread of disease, which is why you can implement them quickly in Kazakhstan, who has mm-hmm. a GDP about the size of, like, lower California.
3: Not Probably right? not
7: even. Probably I mean, not even close, what, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, mean, like, I, picked, I, I actually picked the wrong yeah, state. Like, state. Like, totally so we're the wrong state. state. We're yeah. state. Yeah. Rhode yeah. Island, you know. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. 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 Yeah.
6: Yeah. yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I, when, when Cecil and I were talking about, you know, kind of what we wanted to talk to you about for this show, one of the things that we discussed was the idea of vaccine hesitancy and the vaccine mandate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, I was interested in having this conversation with you because you are a science communicator. And so much of the success or lack of success around vaccines at this point has nothing to do with the technology of vaccines. That, mm-hmm. that question has been asked. It's been answered. We mm-hmm. have the technology. The studies have been done. The research is out there. It's, yeah,
7: we know they were. And now
6: it's all, now it's all messaging. It's all messaging. Right. And we're in this morass now. So I am curious. I keep, I keep coming back to this. I've got a bunch of thoughts on this, but I keep coming back to this word mandate. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if, it, I'm wondering what your thoughts are around how this is being communicated. Not in the past because those fuck ups are old, mm-hmm. but now. Right. So
7: you're talking about like like Biden's new initiatives to require vaccines for businesses of a certain size and for Mm -hmm. all federal employees and and statewide um, mandates that we have as well. California, of course, where I live, it has some of the strictest mandates, which I love. Um, So, you know, kind of going back, one of the things that I would say is that I remember um, somebody once said to me and it always really stuck with me that droughts are. Um, sort of a natural phenomenon, but um, famine is, is human made. It's man-made not to use sexist language, but it's human induced. And I feel like that sort of like, like COVID-19, we had no control over, but the fact that people are still dying from it is, um, didn't have to happen. Like this is a human failure and it's not because we didn't, act fast enough, and it's not because we didn't get our shit together fast enough, it's because there are active people who are refusing to um, choose the safety of their peers over their own ideology about freedom, about independence, about these kinds of things. And that's that's, that's the frustration.
6: Yeah, and and that's something I wanted to ask you about, because I think we have seen— what I would describe as at least a forty-five percent failure
3: mm-hmm.
6: of people to act on behalf of others. Right? Mm-hmm. We're fifty-five percent vaccinated. We're asking people to act in large part to protect others, and mm-hmm. people just don't seem that interested in that. Mm-hmm. That's not. I mean, if that was the Clarion call, it would have been answered by now. Right? I'm, I'm thinking, what needs to happen next? I was, I was, I was googling around a little bit today just to have this conversation. I. And one of the things I'd read about and I wanted to confirm and I found it is, you know, if you if you get COVID, you're six times more likely to develop erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. We talk about COVID in terms of deaths all the time. And then people yeah. then flout the, the survivability rate, right? And they don't right. understand the number, the, the, the uh, problem of big numbers. And, you know, there's all these
7: problems right. with risk, that kind risk of Risk analysis. Yeah, people right. are pretty bad at but that. But if you tell people,
6: hey— you're six times more likely to get boner problems if you catch COVID. Do we need to change our messaging to be more selfish?
7: Right. And the sad thing is, you, like, <laughs> you're probably right because the n- largest block of individuals who are denying COVID vaccines are like white male yeah. Trump voters. Right. <laughs> and there's that toxic masculinity <laughs> piece to it, actually right? actually be sensitive to this messaging. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: You know, I think
7: I think about one of the things that and a lot of this comes from prejudice. It comes from, you know, kind of having a traditional frame that needs to be broken. But even amongst some of my like educated and progressive friends, you know, I'll talk to them about boosters and we'll have a legitimate Um, ethical debate about whether boosters should be made available in um, wealthy Western countries before first doses have been made available globally. And A lot of people will argue, yeah, and so, you know, we'll look at the vaccine rate. And I don't know what it is now, but I remember not long ago quoting that the vaccine rate in greater Africa, so across the continent combined, was only 1%. And people saying, yeah, but there's a lot of distrust in medicine, and there's a lot of, and I'm like, that all those points would be valid if those people had access to the vaccine. But we're not even talking about that yet, so calm the fuck down. Whereas when we're having a conversation about vaccine access, access in America it becomes the complete equal and opposite which is that the vaccine is readily available and mm-hmm. free early on this was a different conversation in poor communities in communities of color by and large we were seeing that there wasn't the access that was necessary and people weren't able to take off of work to get vaccinated people couldn't afford to get vaccinated there was confusion about getting in line and and of course yes there was distrust in these communities and other communities, um, But now the vaccine is readily available. You can walk to the pharmacy within most neighborhoods. You can schedule time off with your employer. Um, and obviously there's still going to be some burdens to access. But a lot of those basic problems at the beginning have been worked on by public health officials in a major right. way. There's been a major effort. And so what we're starting to see is that in black and brown communities, in communities of, of um, lower SES, in communities where there's greater distribution. Trusted medicine. The vaccine rate is ticking up, but we're not seeing that change in communities that have been poisoned by pseudoscientific rhetoric, poisoned by a true kind of um, politicization of this issue. I just got a tweet, like literally just a few hours ago from somebody who said, um, I'm going to find it because it pissed me off. And I quote tweeted it. Um, <laughs> just curious, why do you feel the need to announce that you've you're vaccinated in your screen name. Is it a political thing? Vaxplaining? And I'm like, first of all, that's n- not even what mansplaining, like you need to understand mansplaining before you can. <laughs> that, like that doesn't, you can't do that. You can't just put any word there. Um, and second splaining of all. gate.
6: You can just give explaining gate. <laughs>
7: right. And second of all, you no, I said, I do it. not think vaccination is political, nor should it be. I am a science communicator. I am advocating for vaccination as the number one Public health measure to get the pandemic under control, because we know for a fact we may not be able to eradicate covid covid is probably going to be endemic. Right. It's not polio. Mm-hmm. It does have other rev- reservoirs than humans. So it will pop up again. But we also know that if everybody were vaccinated, it would not be mutating. It would not become more deadly. And we would be able to let our guards down if we were all vaccinated. We could freaking live normal lives. Again. I know.
1: Gosh, oh. I know. Oh, I know just the feeling of being able to do a normal thing once in a while would be amazing. It's funny too because like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was 100% thinking it's going to be the vaccine that pulls us out of this. It's going to be the vaccine. And I was actually, you know, a very glass half full kind of guy at the beginning of it thinking, you know, I this is the whole world is on this. We have, you know, the best scientists, the best minds are thinking about this. There is they're going to produce a vaccine. I was confident that they were going to do it. Within Nine months they come out with a vaccine and start dis- distributing it. And I thought, this could be it. This could be the end of the whole thing. And then it was just, then it was the, the back and forth, literally between Republican and Democrat in this country on whether or not you should take it. And in fact, last was three weeks ago. And I know this is coming out much later because we're recording this early, but three weeks ago or something like that, there was a Trump had gotten laughed at the, off, the, off the stage. When he mentioned that he, you should get vaccinated, even even he even can't
7: say it anymore. Like he, they won't even listen to the guy who poisoned the well. I know it's a ama- It's like it's taken on this mind of its own, and just the utter irony of like this person who is was actively poisoning the well the whole time was probably the first person in our country to get yeah. vaccinated, oh, other than yes. those for fucking yeah. sure. Yeah, he like was. other than those who were in the trials. Right. I mean that. Of course, we're going to vaccinate the president first. The president has this key position. We need to make sure the president is sure. safe. Regardless of who the president is, this is, you know, this is precedent. We're supposed to keep the president safe. Even if we hate him with every fiber of <laughs> exactly. our being, we should still. It's
3: pretty standard
6: operating you know, procedure, Right. Yeah. yeah.
7: So you're right. You're right. It's one of these things where I see, and we've all read the articles, right? And I have a lot of friends in healthcare. I work in healthcare, um, you know, as part of my PhD training. I do, I do therapy in a cancer center. And we've seen the sort of exhaustion of the frontline workers who are saying like, it's it's compassion fatigue, who are like, I know that every life is precious. I know that I have to be apolitical in my approach to working with these people, but it's so hard when you're sitting here trying to vent somebody who's actively refused. And they're saying to you, I wouldn't even get vaccinated now. It just, yeah. And it's like- Why am I doing so much to try to save your life when the prevention was, was, you know, they talk about the prevention that worth a pound of the cure, but this is like not even an ounce versus a pound. This is like, like a drop versus an ocean. Like it's, it feels futile to a lot of these people because it's like, you clearly don't want to live. And it must be so frustrating because it bumps up against the core ethic of like, maybe this person is so led astray and has been duped so fully and is so vulnerable to this kind of messaging that I still need to maintain my empathy and treat them with every fiber of my being and hope that they survive. But we've seen this. I mean... I've seen two ends of the spectrum. My mother, who is fully vaccinated, who is, um, you know, incredibly uh, reasonable person. She's older. She's, you know, in her 70s. She has um, diabetes. She got vaccinated the minute she could in Texas, even though her vaccine came later than a lot of people in California. Um she caught COVID because of an unvaccinated family member who did not disclose the fact that they were unvaccinated. Turns out they were positive. They got very sick. Luckily, she only got kind of sick, but it was brutal and she was pissed. And yeah. then on the flip side, I have a dear friend who refused—not a dear—I a, should say an old friend who refused to get vaccinated, whose mother refused to get vaccinated— He's now struggling with symptoms. She's now on a ventilator. And I don't oh think she's going to live. And That's this is terrible. not a story that is uncommon now. Yeah. You know, this is what people are dealing with left and right.
6: At my work, I, I love a lot of folks that I work with It's a big company. And last year, the people that were getting sick and passing away at this time last year were people's grandparents or of people's course. elderly parents.
3: Yeah. And,
6: you know, this year, this week, we've had three people who lost sisters. So they're, you know, contemporaneously aged to myself. So they're not they're not seventy, eighty, ninety years old. They you know, I've we had three people this week, uh, well, in the last week and a half, I should say, that lost their sisters. So you know, it, it's that that's skewing further and further down,
7: yeah, because it's a more um, uh, contagious, right? Uh, it's a more dangerous variant. We know that now. It is a more dangerous variant. It's also cycled through the population already, right. And so we're seeing a twofold reason that younger people are getting sicker and they're dying. And, you know, I can, somebody who I'm very, very close to is a physician at a children's hospital. And, you know, we have to be very careful because none of those kids can be vaccinated. Yep. And a pheromone yeah. of those kids have COVID. That's often not why they're in the hospital. It's incidental because- this thing is contagious. So kids are getting it and some kids are getting really sick. Many more kids aren't sick at all, but they're still carrying it. Yep. And so it's it's making it very difficult like just to live a normal life because there's a huge percent of the population that can't get vaccinated. So
1: you mentioned hospitals here vaccine you know one of the things that's really shocked me has been You know, in in news stories, and I don't know how common it is, but there's been a lot of news stories about vaccine-hesitant hospital workers, people, nurses, doctors. This is not something I would have expected at all going into this. I
7: think it's, to be fair, I think it's stratified. It's much rarer among doctors than it is among nurses. It's much rarer among nurses than it is among um, support staff. And so I think that there is at least some correlation with level of education and with um, uh, exposure to these kinds of um, diseases. There is some inoculation that comes with education, as we know. Um, and so, y- yes, there are some vaccine-hesitant doctors, and we know some of them are quite famous right, because sure. they're they're the ones pushing some of the anti-vaccine rhetoric. The, the ones monetizing but As that? you get yeah, into exactly. <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> yeah, money, yeah. yeah, of course. It, yeah, there's obviously an agenda there. But as you get more into um, uh, kind of... Actual working individuals, the more likely they are to get vaccinated. It's you know, it's tied to to education, it's tied to not just education, but knowledge about immunology and epidemiology and virology. And it's also, I think, tied to exposure to COVID. When you've seen what it does to people it's harder to refuse the vaccine. But for healthcare workers who don't work in COVID wards and might be working in specialties that are really far away from the front lines, and obviously there's gonna be, um, I don't wanna say obviously there's a lower likelihood because there shouldn't (laughs) be, but there is a lower likelihood amongst those individuals.
6: Right? Is it time to change our messaging?
7: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. We should be doing, it takes all types I don't think it's one message, one one person, one people. It's never, that's never going to work. So it has to be all of it combined. And I get where Biden is coming from and I get where Newsom was coming from and I get the need for the word mandate because at a certain point, it being your yeah. choice is not working because you have chosen not to. And so it's now, okay, you don't want to, then here's what's going to happen. Either you're going to lose your job or maybe we'll be nice and we'll give you the option that, sure, you can still go to work if you're not vaccinated, but you have to get tested every day on your dime.
6: You know, today, Pfizer announced that um, the, the data back from uh, kids 5 through 12, today they announced that that's back and it's safe and it's effective and it produces a strong antibody response. And they were saying that in the next several weeks, kids will be able to be vaccinated, right? And so um, I was I was— Overjoyed. I've got a couple of little kids. So I was overjoyed. I was like, this is great news. You know, and the Times article was really good about spelling out, like, hey, you know, even though kids are less likely to become seriously ill, you know, they carry it and they spread it at the same rate as adults, is what the Times, you know, indicated today. And I and I was reading that and I was like, yeah, I mean, that's that's enough. There's a million reasons why I'm convinced. You know, there's a million reasons why, like, I've just been waiting. I tried to get my kids enrolled in trials. Like, let's get this done. Right. So, but you know, when you read through the comments section, which I almost never do, almost never, um, there's so many parents on there who are like, "No way! I got the jab. I'm not having my kids get it." So many comments, even on the New York Times. So many people who are unwilling to take what they perceive as such a high risk. And I, I wonder, how do we over? Because that's that's inaccurate, right? Vaccines are a low risk proposition compared to hopping in the car and going on a three hour car ride. You know, vaccines are an incredibly low-risk proposition. And I'm wondering, just in general, how do we fight this perception that vaccines are an inherently high-risk proposition? Because so many people seem to have it.
7: It's super hard. Like, it's... Yeah, it's super hard to unring a bell, Mm -hmm. right? And so we know the havoc that Wakefield wreaked. We know the havoc that Jenny McCarthy continues to wreak, or Wakefield continues to wreak as well. Um, And it is really hard to unring a bell. And we also know that there are, um, I don't want to say legitimate, but I at least want to say not misguided, or how do I even word this? Understandable. Concerns from parents, when you think about the risk-benefit analysis of an adult versus a child getting a um, a relatively new vaccine, it's understandable that parents are scareder for their kids sure. than they are for themselves. It's understandable that parents who look at their kids and they go, but my kid's not even getting sick. Why would right. I mean, that's the thing we need to be answering the, the sort right. of valid questions that these parents have, which is. My kid is more vulnerable because he's a he or she is a kid, and so I'm afraid of of some of the you know actual risks that we know exist. We don't want to say that there are no risks of vaccines. We just want to say they're exceedingly low. So um, because that is the most accurate way to word it. Um, We need to really be answering their valid concerns instead of saying that their concerns aren't valid because, of course, it's scarier. It's, you know, as a parent, and I'm not even a parent, but I know that I'd be much more willing to do something myself than to try something on a kid. And, and we need to make sure that the messaging is such, and this really what we've learned time and time again, is that the messaging has to come from the, the doctors. It has to come from the pediatricians. It's the most valued source of information about vaccines. So if we're in a culture where our own medical profession isn't comfortable saying, this is what I mm-hmm. would do for my own children. This is the right thing to do. We've sort of, This is kind of neither here nor there, and I don't know if you guys want to get into it, but it's a conversation I often have with one of my supervisors that medicine historically was very paternalistic. And we see this a lot with the cancer patients I work with. So historically... Um, it was pretty paternalistic and it was pretty sexist. You would go to the doctor, they would say, this is what you're going to do. And if you were a woman, they would say it to your husband and then he would tell you. <laughs> I mean, just was insane. Um, and, and then they would treat you with what the doctor thought was best. And then we sort of swung the pendulum the other way, which I completely and totally agree with, which is patient choice, patient advocacy. But what ends up sometimes happening is that out of fear of misguiding, there becomes this thing of like, well, you have this option, this option, this option and this option, what do you want to do? As opposed to a real conversation about risk and benefit. You have this option, which I don't think is the right one, and let me tell you why. You have mm-hmm. this option, which, based on my medical expertise, is probably the most promising, let me tell you why. And you have this option which, you know, if you want to really go for that risk, you have that option. But I don't know, you know, if I were in your shoes. But the the problem is that a lot of physicians are kind of afraid to speak in those in those um, parameters for many reasons, liability reasons. That's how they were trained. That might not be the model at their hospital. But I do think we need to be working against that. And we need to find a more balanced approach to expertise from a medical professional tied with patient advocacy and choice. Both of those things should exist hand in hand.
6: Yeah, but that's hard to get done in the seven-minute appointment time that you're allotted. You're right. You're right. I'm very very lucky. As a
7: psychotherapist, I get to hang out with my patients for an hour at a time. Wow. I have the luxury of time. Yeah. It's it's amazing. And so we end up often, you know, I I can't give medical advice at all, but I can definitely work with them as they're struggling through some of these decisions. But I can tell you hands down, I don't have a single patient in the cancer center who is vaccine-hesitant.
0: And I work with some
7: very sick people who are like, oh, it seems like a real risk for me to get this jab, but I'm doing it anyway because I don't want to die of COVID.
6: Well, it's that selfishness motive that just seems like overwhelmingly the strongest thing to tap into. Because if you look at the elderly population and compare the rates of vaccination amongst the elderly compared to people in my age group, the, the elderly are overwhelmingly Better vaccinated, vaccinated than yeah. people in my age group. Well, that's so.
7: How do you tap into somebody's selfishness? I
6: I I, I think you've got to make them a fearful of other things,
7: right? right? If they're if they're um, not
6: afraid of dying, get them afraid of losing their jobs, losing their boners, <sighs> losing, losing their
3: things dicks, that they right.
1: I'm losing your health care. Losing healthcare? your health care. Yeah. yeah, going right. bankrupt. That's a, that's a way. I mean, losing your life insurance. That's another right. thing. You know, there's a possibility you, is, can you lose know that too.
7: We're seeing some legitimate, you know, real moral and ethical quandaries coming out of Iowa, coming out out of these states where they're having to ration care.
1: Yeah. Idaho. And it's
7: like, who do you triage? If you only have two crash carts or you only have two vents left, do you give the vent to the person who was vaccinated and who did everything they could? Or do you give the vent to the, I mean, generally speaking, triage is all about the sicker patient. That's how it works. You give give the the care to the sickest patient, but there is also a question of, do you give the care to the patient who's most likely to survive?
3: Yeah, Yeah, And
7: you know, this is it's, it's just gross that we even have to be having these conversations because I'm not being punitive here. I don't want to see anybody die. Right. I right. don't want to see anybody be harmed. The whole point is that it breaks right. my heart when somebody refuses yeah. a vaccine and then they get sick. I don't want to say I told you so. That doesn't feel good. There's no <laughs> Freud there. Right. Like, it's heartbreaking.
1: It's, it's funny, too, because there's an article today that I saw in Breitbart where they are twisting the logic to make it seem like the reason why people on the right aren't getting vaccinated is because the left is laughing at them. It's, it's. And they're that fragile. Yeah, no, seriously. It is the craziest fucking article I've ever read. It's an, it's an editorial and it is, it's, it's one of these things where you have to do so many mental backflips just to get there and just be like, no, dude, you did it because Trump said not to. Like, that's why. Right.
7: (laughs) But there is a point where there is like, there's a doubling down that could exist. Although you're absolutely right. They, there's, they did it because they chose not to get vaccinated because their, their minds, their brains were filled with misinformation about vaccines Mm -hmm. and they weren't able to calculate an appropriate risk benefit. But it doesn't help when people also then call them idiots because much more likely somebody's going to double down than they are going to change their minds and change their views. It's much easier to change your mind if you feel safe in doing so, if you feel like your community is going to be with you and they're not going to judge you. But if you feel like you're going to be made into a laughing stock if you change your mind, you're just going to double down.
1: Yeah. The the right also very much demonized uh, the people who were then touting the vaccine before the vaccine came. So like, we saw memes and lies about Fauci, well before mm-hmm. the vaccine ever came out. They were talking about how he went to school. It was a lie that he went to school with Bill Gates or something, and that they owned a thing. It was like this big meme where it was going around where they were pretending that <laughs> they have a they have a tracking that, device that they, injection. Yeah, they, right, they in literally, the like they were planning it years <laughs> yeah. ago in years in Stanford ago. or wherever they went to school, and now you're the you're the guinea pig that's going to get it, et cetera, et cetera. So they were demonizing him, you know, on the right. Well, before there was ever even a chance that there was even a vaccine. And then once the vaccine came, then you've already, like I said, you poisoned the well. You've 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 already said this messenger is a liar. And so now when he comes, right. you're just like, Well, great. Well, like no one's ever gonna believe it now. And so, like, there was I mean, it's 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 scary how easy it is to manipulate a group of people in this country to kill themselves.
7: But it's also scary how easy it is to blame the victims, and I think one of the things that we all have to be—and I'm not saying you guys yeah, no, are doing it—no, no, it yeah, or yeah, I'm no. But we all fall into this and I, I liken it sort of unto um, the, the war on drugs is that it's very easy to poke at the people who are in your face, the most obvious, you know, the people who are dying on the vent saying, I still wouldn't get vaccinated. It's much harder to take down the kingpins. Right. And so I think the important thing is that if we really want to affect change, what we should be doing, I truly believe what we should be doing is we should be prosecuting the individuals that are spreading deadly misinformation prosecuting them. Yeah,
6: couldn't I couldn't possibly yeah, do more. Yeah, absolutely. So, it,
7: because they it, are actively yeah. harm and and if that yep. megaphone were turned off. Yeah, well. There would be so much less yes. downstream absolutely. trauma. Absolutely.
6: Yeah. I mean there it what, what one of the things and I won't go too far down this rabbit hole again and again, but like one of the things that is always super galling is there are easy Systemic things we could do if we had the political will to do them. If oh for sure, you know, yeah,
7: with climate change, but, I mean with so many but, I mean, things with, we know how to solve a lot of these problems. With,
6: with this, particularly, you know, if you had if if you really had real partnership with the megaphones themselves, with the Facebook and the Twitter, if they had real partnerships to create truth, there mm-hmm. are easy technological solutions to ban that kind of material and to remove that material very quickly. And to remove the people and to report the people to a prosecutorial board. But there's no systems in place to reward truth because we monetize the exact opposite. We just, you know, we we monetize a volume of information. Yeah, right? We monetize, mm-hmm. right. we monetize virality.
7: Yeah, and, and it just yeah. happens to be that mistruths and pseudoscience tend, they just they have the right ingredients for things to go viral. And you're right. Like I think the thing to remember is that there will (laughs) always be that kind of QAnon like undercurrent. There's always going to be, if you guys remember in, um, I mentioned it earlier in um, contagion, you guys remember Jude Law's character. Mm -hmm, Jude Law's character will come out every time there will always be a Jude Law and Jude Law will always have his followers but if we can keep that group in the fringe if we can keep that group so small that they can't do harm to others that's And that's what happened in Contagion. He existed. They were pissed. They were working against him. They, you know, figured out some seedy meetings that he was having. They squashed it. But it wasn't like, and yeah, they were like, this is a real concern. They got on it fast. The FBI or whoever it was was like, we need to make sure this guy's message <laughs> does not go mainstream. But it, it, the problem is that... Unfortunately, that that distrust has been systematically dismantled over many, many years. This isn't something that you can change overnight. We've had, you know, the Bannons of the world. We've had these um, these individuals who have worked really, really hard to undermine trust in the media to undermine trust in, um, in, uh, the, the, you know, fourth estate in, 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 right. in um, journalism, yeah. to undermine trust in, um, Congress to under, and I'm not saying that all of these entities are a hundred percent trustworthy, but there is consensus here. And, you know, when a, a certain swath of the population doesn't believe first the scientists and then the journalists writing about what the scientists say, and then the political leaders who are trying to legislate what the journalists are writing about, what the scientists are saying, what do we expect? Yeah. We let this happen. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We didn't fight against it when we need And that kind of goes back to your very first question. What could we have done differently? We would have needed to start sooner. Yeah.
1: Start a lot sooner. So then yeah. you don't wind up with Joe Rogan talking about Ivermectin on his show. You know? he like was- oh God. Kara, <laughs> <laughs> if people were going to find you on the internet, where would they look?
7: Um, so I do um, I do a daily show for um, KCET and PBS SoCal called SoCal Update, which you can see if you're in the L.A. market on both of those networks you can also find it um on on Tay Interwebs i also do my podcast which is a weekly podcast called talk nerdy with cara santa maria i'm also one of the co-hosts of the skeptic's guide to the universe as of late, I've been doing an episode of God Awful Movies once a month because I'm a masochist. Um, you sure are. Absolutely. And um, all, all the other things I've been involved in. Um, I would say probably, you know, you can go to my website, which is just my name, carasantamaria.com or talknerdy.com. But if you follow me on Twitter... Um, I also share five different curated science articles a day through my social media channels just to kind of help people. And I don't get paid for this, but I, I feel like it's kind of my, my duty as a science communicator to help people be informed. So if you're looking for, like, good science content that's curated, if you follow my, my Twitter, you'll get that in your feed every day, too.
3: And, thank you and so awesome thank much for joining
7: us. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks, thank Come you to so our much. 600th. We appreciate it. Yeah, we'll sorry talk to was, you soon. We were just ranting the whole time. Maybe next time we'll talk about fun. <laughs> I know. Fun. No, we'll right. do something,
1: fun now. something fun will have to happen between now and when we have you on next. How is okay,
7: that? Deal. For,
1: our,
6: <laughs> for episode 1200, we'll have a new
7: pandemic. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> we'll have a unicorn pandemic. We'll have a, yes. We'll have a pandemic yes. of unicorn lightning bugs.
1: Right. Oh, what hot
7: <laughs> hot. Adorable. hot I love
3: amazing. it. I
6: love Super
1: adorable Just shit it. and glitter as they fly. Yeah. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> What's this? What's this? There's dildos everywhere! What's this? There's big cocks in the air! What's this? I can't believe my eyes, I must be creaming! Wake up, jack off, I declare! What's this? What's this? What's this? There's someone in a thong! What's this? There's holders for your schlong! What's this? The website's filled with sexy toys, I'm gasping! There's a sign to use, go glory! With this offer, I get more-y! is this? What's this? Half off almost any item Free gift for your friend Another one for you And one for both your sexy ends There's six free spicy movies Oh I can't believe my eyes In my boners I feel warm Free shipping does provide Oh look! What's this? Where is that mistletoe? They kiss? They hung it from below Desired! They're gathering around To use code glory on what website they inquire What's this? What's this? In here, he's got a big weenie, oh dear, and something very pink, I think. <laughs> I'm uh, yes. what, Gary? Okay. What? Car- Gary! I've been looking uh, for you uh, for weeks! Where am I? You, Wh- been, where are we? You've been stuck in this weird world, the robots! The what? We're still in the non-copyright infringing, uh, huh? matrix. My computer, it's like, we gotta I know. Here, take this. Oh my god, how long have I been in here? Like four weeks since the last ad we did, but somebody did an ad last week and it was like a robot mimicking you. What? We gotta get out of here, man. I know. Wait, what did you just give me? It's a timer. Okay. Just point it at that adamaneed.com sign. What's it gonna do? It'll bring us home and you know, give us 50% off almost anyone item when you use code blurry. How? Just press the button. Okay. What, what is that big weird thing just right here, just whoosh, just came out of nowhere, whoosh. Oh, gosh, I hope that timer has enough power. Wait, where is this portal going to take us? I don't know, but anywhere else. Okay, well, see you, Schrodinger. What? Nothing. I, I don't know. Yes. Oh, jump! Well, it's actually more like a fly. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: God.
0: what the? Where the hell am I? Gary? Gary, where are you? What is this? Oh, ad read? But I just traveled interdimensionally. Okay, table that. We want to thank our sponsor, PaintYourLife.com You know, it might be that your family isn't getting together this year for the holiday season because of the world ending or maybe because you just don't like them and it's self-imposed. That's fine. But you know what you could do? You could get a painting to remember the time you're away from them or with yeah, either way, uh, if you're looking for a special gift for someone this holiday season, something truly unique and personal, we've got a great idea for you. At PaintYourLife.com, you can have an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from any photo at an affordable price. Get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable... I just said that. With Paint Your Life's compilation portraits, you can bring together family members who never had the chance to meet or create a portrait of the whole family without the need for everyone to be there for a family photo. Um, Or it could just be a photo of you holding a photo of your family and saying, ha-ha, I don't want to see you people anymore. But then you could send them the painting to remember you not wanting to go to holiday parties. So I'm looking at you, Uncle Steve. Uh, so choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. You can order a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. Get the hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. It's meaningful, personal, and can be cherished forever. At PaintYourLife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited-time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word COGNITIVE to 64000. That's COGNITIVE to 64000. Text COGNITIVE to 64000. Paint Your Life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Okay, I'm stuck in another ad. Uh... Somebody find a payphone.
1: This is an image from. <laughs> this is an image from
3: Jay.
6: It's so good. virtue? it's fucking something else. It's fortune cookie cutter mommy issue, no Babylon bullshit. It's so like I guess that like if I'm ever getting to the end of my life, Cecil, and there's not like a euthanasia law in Illinois, I'll just eat a bunch of hot dogs. Smoking these meaty, the meat, meat smoking meaty,
8: really. Mercola, is
1: this Mercola or is this Kennedy on here? This is Robert Kennedy, Kennedy. is Robert Kennedy here. Yeah. Fuck God, those meat. Look people. at his gaping asshole of a mouth <laughs> here. What a fuck, this guy. Smoking meat, I wonder if you boil barrier and if it gets smoked. So, we are joined by Seth Andrews of the Thinking Atheist podcast. Seth has been a guest on the show many times. Seth, thank you so much for joining us.
4: It's great to be back. Thanks, guys.
1: So, uh, Seth, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about an article that came out, and at this point it will come out a while ago, yeah. but uh, but it's okay because
6: it's still relevant, I'm sure. Yeah. It's, I, I don't think the facts on the ground with this are going to change in the four weeks or so that right, this takes to right, exactly. <laughs> exactly,
1: right? Even though we're doing a, a get-ahead, it's still right. fucking relevant yep. when we do this. Uh, the article talks about how it looks like there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy among believers and non-believers uh, it looks like they're they're vaccinated in the 90th percentile um we we have our ideas on why that is yes we do <laughs> we wanted to talk to what you your about ideas, little... Seth.
4: Yeah. yeah well i was curious <laughs> i was looking at the headline of article, and i was like oh, why didn't he title it what the fuck is wrong with you people because that's exactly <laughs> the thought i have every single day i i think well, what's What's wrong with you people? And here's an example. Okay. I happened to bump into some extremely conservative, very distrusting of vaccine type family members. Okay. And they're on my short run family tree. They're pretty close. Yeah. And uh, I had told them about the death of an, my next door neighbor who had passed away of COVID. He was 69 and he got it, spent two weeks on a vent, and he was dead. And it was just Jeez. tragic. It was just a uh, waste. a a tremendously senseless death, and it was extremely sad. And so I mentioned this, and the person on my family tree, their first response was, well, did they have a pre-existing condition? Yep. Yep. And I thought to myself, this is, in microcosm, a reflection of the death of empathy in the American evangelical, because— her first thought wasn't, oh, this is so sad. I'm so sorry. How close were you? How's her how's his spouse doing? You know, how is his children doing? I gotta understand. They wanted to know if he had a pre-existing condition. I think I understand, but tell me, why did they ask that question? Because they don't believe covid is all that serious they think it's been blown up in the media they voted twice for trump so they believe fake pandemic or it's been it's been exaggerated so in her mind she thought well if covid killed him there must have been something else seriously wrong and covid just nudged him over the edge and of course oh. first of all it's a tremendously horrific and problematic thing to say but secondly is who do we know in our lives who does not have a pre-existing condition of some kind? <laughs> yeah, well, okay,
6: all right. So many, I, I, I know, it's, but I have to pause on that real quick because I. that's where I thought, and, I, and, and it's not just a lack of empathy, but it's like obesity is a pre-existing condition that exacerbates the effects of COVID, and that obesity affects an enormous number of people, like percentage-wise in our population, that's, that's an enormous amount of people. But like it's also sort of not at all the point. If, if I'm a hemophiliac and somebody shoots me and I bleed out, Right, like I bled out faster because yeah. I was a hemophiliac,
1: right, right, right. Yeah. but I
6: still died of the gunshot wound <laughs> yeah, because if nobody had gone ahead and shot me with the fucking gun, yeah. I would have had a Tuesday as a hemophiliac. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like I'm a heavy guy. Like if I walk around and I don't get COVID, I probably am not going to die. But
4: like, yeah, it, yeah. it could be hard. What if you have hypertension? What if you have celiac disease? What if you have some other sort of intolerance? Diabetes under control. Autoimmune disease. You've got cancer. Cancer runs in your family. I mean, this idea that, well, you know, I mean, hey, survival of the fittest. Sometimes you got to thin the herd, let the healthiest survive (laughs) is a weird position to take if you are a white American evangelical young (laughs) earth creationism. You know what I'm saying? It it, it does feel like there's a miss there, right?
6: There's a a little bit of a logical miss there. I would also point out, that I have never heard one of the people somebody say that who is actually in shape. Have you ever heard <laughs> no, anybody say no, that? That's I've like
1: I've never seen anybody that's I'm, like a crossfitter. Right. It's like, <laughs> it's like, motherfucker, you wanna go run a mile. Yeah. You wanna run yeah. a mile. And I bet when I'm done, I can still talk. Yeah. I will you say know, this though. I will say this though. And, and, and you know, like, like the evangelicals, i I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before, Seth. And Tom, I know you've heard it before, but it's that have you ever heard that that parable of the person who was praying down the alley, and then they they Ugh. like didn't get raped, and then the person behind them got raped because they thought that there was a there was a big angel around them, and that's why they didn't rape. it's like a parable that I've seen a bunch of times. It's like in a, one of those four words you that that yeah, evangelicals right. send each other. They're famous for blaming the victim. They are. Fa- I mean, think about right. how they deal with rape. They're like, oh, you shouldn't dress like. You know what I mean? Like, they're famous for blaming the victim. So it does not surprise me at all that evangelicals have this, that this is the it's mode they go true. to. Very it true. It
4: was uh, interesting when Tom said, uh, all those people are not healthy people. I was thinking about the person who said that. <laughs> oh, and <no. laughs> her bathroom... Medicine cabinet looks like something Hunter s. Thompson would have I mean, it's it's out of I thought, yeah, you know you are you are a pre-existing condition. But there's an angle to this that I haven't heard quite enough of. I'm sure you guys have probably covered it. But I think one of the reasons that people are so conspiratorial when it comes to trusting the scientist. You know, they vilify Fauci and they vilify the scientific community and they vilify the World Health Organization and the FDA and the CDC, et cetera. And it's all part of this apocalyptic end times book of revelation scenario that's supposed to be playing out. And you and I consider it laughable, but we ask ourselves, why are they so predisposed to trust in these wackadoodle conspiracy theories, but distrust the actual vaccine science? And I hold that many of these people are predisposed because Christianity itself is a conspiracy theory.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah.
4: The whole religion <laughs> is a conspiracy theory. I mean, if you if that's woven into the fabric of your thinking, then anything apocalyptic that comes along, you know, you got a mega pastor that's talking about how, uh, we got people talking about mandated vaccines is actually like taking the mark right? Yeah. The mark of yeah. the beast, which is a precursor to the second coming. That makes no sense either. The freak out there makes no sense to me because I'm like, this is what you want. Are you been talking about how you can't wait for Jesus to return?
1: And every yeah. time somebody talks about the end times, you lose your shit. It makes yeah. no sense to me. Well, well then the QAnon people, the revel- the thing that they're talking about is the reveal I mean, think about revelation. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's it's the same thing. It's just, it all rhymes. It's all the same thing. It's all the <laughs> same argument over and over. And over. It's and over. the same. It, it, they are all linked together in the sense that they use the exact same tactics that conspiracy uses to try to get your trust and to try to bilk you. What amazes me is like, these guys have been waiting for the apocalypse,
6: yeah, their whole lives. God, that and now we have an apocalypse, <laughs> and they're just like, "No, we don't. Yeah, no. no, we don't." <laughs> like, the, I, I, sort of feel like at this yeah. point, the fucking locust with armor would yeah. show up and knock on their door, <laughs> yeah. and they'd be like,
3: "I don't see any uh, locusts. See- stupid.
1: <laughs> You're stupid if you see this locust." These are the same guys that like made a special cow for Jerusalem. Right. <laughs>
4: I mean, come on! We are we live in the Marjorie Taylor Greene era, right? We do we, uh, do. we we have crossed the threshold. We are past idiocracy. We are in this weird. I don't know. It's it's a culture of celebrated ignorance, but also extreme vi- paranoia with an apocalypse apocalypse narrative that sort of intertwines into everything. I mean, when I'm listening to my own mother, and she's like, "Uh, you know, Fauci and Bill Gates room together at oh, Cornell." God. When Bill Gates was filing an RFID or RFID patent for the chip or something oh like Lord. that, and I'm like, "All right, well, hang on just a second, Ma. Hang on." Whenever Fauci was at Cornell, Bill Gates was ten, <laughs> okay, and the, he never filed a patent uh, for an RFID chip. And I'll tell you this, and I hate to break the, break your bubble, Ma, but you're not interesting enough to track. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, right the, right. You're just not that <laughs> inter I mean I love you. You're just not all that interesting. By the way, you're talking to me on a cell phone yep. with oh, GPS I, tracking yep, on it. Yep, so, yep. Yeah. It it, it is amazing the uh, level of intrusion
6: we will allow into our lives if we can Post memes because of it, <laughs> and at the same, it's like, can I post a meme? Because if I can post a meme, I'll basically yeah. let you take pictures of my open asshole, <laughs> like, and, and then sell them. It like, doesn't fine. matter. I literally it don't literally care. It doesn't matter. Whatever. If yeah. I can post a meme, Whatever.
1: yeah, I'm yeah. fucking game. You could tattoo an ad on my eyelids right. if I could post a meme. Yeah, hundred percent doesn't matter.
6: But if it's like a vaccine, vaccines are this weird special case yeah. situation, yeah. though, and they and you know. We, we talked to Cara Santa Maria and she said, oh, it goes back to Wakefield, but it goes back further than that. Vaccines have always, I was doing a little research this week, vaccines have always had this level of kind of weird inherent distrust attached to them. Yeah. And I don't get it at all. I don't get I, I, it at
4: I, Look, all. the one that gets me is this. I don't get the flu vaccine because I heard somebody got the flu vaccine oh, and it gave them the flu. And I'm like, this is a scientific impossibility. This does not happen. You cannot get the flu from the flu vaccine. But this sort of anecdotal thing that goes down through the grapevine, it takes on a life of its own. People who are primed to distrust scientists anyway, which is, I think, also interwoven into Christianity, right? Because science, they're all just a cabal of star chamber, God killers. They get together at a kegger once a month (laughs) to talk, just to come up with ways to kill Yahweh and Jesus, you know? It, it, to me, just blows my mind. They'll trust the Bible and they'll trust anything yeah. that anybody says that is related to the Bible, but they distrust the actual processes of science that have provided the solutions that they enjoy and use every single day.
6: I was just thinking, I wonder, you know, the difference, right? So so these same idiots, they'll, they'll go to the hospital when they get sick, right? They'll show up at the emergency room if they break their arm, and they always have. And I, I wonder if, like, Maybe it's because Jesus cured shit, but he didn't prevent anything from happening. <laughs> you know?
1: Because if you look back at those stories. No, he's preventing them all from going to hell by dying on the cross, Tom. You're throwing, oh, I'm throwing it out. I'm oh, throwing it out. I'm I, not allowing it. I'm okay. not allowing it.
6: You know what, Cecil, you've yeah, got a point. I'm not allowing it. I forgot about that one that didn't happen. <laughs>
3: yeah. like, Here's no, the one that. that gets me. And they say it all the
4: time. Dear Lord Jesus, we ask that you guide the hands of the surgeon. What? And I think to myself, that prayer makes no sense. <laughs> because I guarantee you, if this person was given the choice, of two doctors they had someone who was going in for a tumor removal surgery and the atheist was the cancer expert right there was an atheist yeah. oncologist and the christian was a dentist they would choose <laughs> the actual expert atheist yeah. who knew what the hell they were doing
6: exactly rarely does anybody ask the religious yeah. leanings of someone when they're in deep shit right <laughs> yeah because when, yeah. when, the, when the chips are down you're like you can just help pull me out of this burning car. I really don't care yeah. where you think you're going to go when you die.
4: <laughs> you got a severed limb. You're like, so are you a Southern Baptist yeah. or a free <laughs> will Baptist?
1: <laughs> gotta make Baptist? sure. <laughs> you know, I, I do feel though, you know, you mentioned earlier, I do feel like anecdotes that people have and that they hear from other people have so much more weight than anything yeah. that a fact checker can give you or that, you know, especially anything that the news would deliver or anything that they would see from any other source. Those anecdotes carry so much weight. And I've, I've run into it even with people, I think, and and it's funny, even with people that I know do trust getting a flu shot, they will still bring up that same anecdote. I've heard it from P and, and I'll be honest, I even at a certain point in my life, this was a long time ago, but I had a very similar reaction years and years and years ago. And I thought, oh man, I got kind of a little ill off of it. I don't want to do that again. But I, you know, like, but that's the that's the thing, is there is a little something to that. I mean, we all got a little yeah. ill from the COVID that I know I did. I got a little, not a bunch, but just a little, I felt a little a out of one. whack yeah. and they, they've really put a lot of a way too much weight into that. I think there's, there's just too much weight into anecdotes too, where they talk, they they talk constantly about, oh, my brother, Jimmy had this friend. I mean, look at, look at how quickly that Nicki Minaj's friends balls. <laughs> oh, I know.
4: <laughs> <laughs> did you see that meme that went on the internet and it, said uh, a photograph of Nicki Minaj's friend's balls and it had the uh, Trump sons on the, uh, (laughs) oh God, it's a visual gag, but it was hysterical. Let me ask you guys this. How much of this do you think serves a hero narrative? Because I think if you say, well, I'm sticking it to the man or I don't trust the man kind of thing, you know, the system is infected and I... I'm going to be brave enough to, it's sort of that Pastor Greg Locke thing where you throw your chest out and you say, well, I'm I, I'm not going to believe anything they tell me. I'm going to march to my own drummer. I'm going to carve my own path. I'm going to stand up against the man. And that also in some way kind of makes me the man. I really think it's kind of a masturbatory exercise. It's like an ego gratifying thing that makes you the hero of the story. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah. And there's also, there's also the, the idea too of, you know, battling against something. They always need something to battle against. There's, you know, that whole I yeah. that whole thing of the Christian evangelical is that they're, you know, God warriors and whenever you see you know, these people in the hospital and you and there's a couple of websites now that are really documenting people dying and their Facebook posts says they're doing it. And it's really heartbreaking, but there's a lot of conservatives on there and constantly you'll see, I need my prayer warriors. That's the language that use. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like that conflict is built right in. There's a certain segment of the population that, that rejects sort of
6: out of hand and I think reflexively any kind of top-down influence at the same time, that is the same demographic that absolutely welcomes top-down influence spiritually. But they they reject top-down yeah, influence no, you're right. yeah, yeah, yeah. when it comes to, like, you know, government of yeah, any kind. Of any kind, yeah. So it's like, well, I got a solution. Well, who? I don't know where that solution come from. It came from uh, Pfizer, and it came from Moderna, and it came from Johnson and & and Johnson. From years
1: of research,
6: yeah. And, yeah. It, but, but like in their minds, I and mean, if you read it, it's like, I'm not taking that government vaccine. Yeah. It's like, that's not a yeah. government vaccine. <laughs> it's
1: not, like, the government's just paying for it. So you don't have to. I just don't get it. Cause it was like started under Trump. Like everything was started when their guy was in there. But even still, it's funny. Cause most of those people, even when Trump was in there, were all pretty much anti vax They were, then. they were.
4: It's, I saw a, a poster and it said at the top, the four stages of COVID denial. One, it's a hoax. Two, don't be a sheep. Three, prayers needed. Four, visit our GoFundMe. Yep. That yep. is yep. essentially the four stages yep. of COVID yep. Yep. denial. It's, yep.
1: it's And it's becoming more and more problem. I mean, there's lots of people dying right now because of the Delta variant and they're dying in places that are, you know, very vaccine hesitant. There are yeah. a oh, lot you've of been places. watching these
4: right-wing radio hosts?
6: right? I mean, they're they're dropping like freaking flies. flies.
1: Absolutely. Dropping like flies.
6: And I, I, you know, some people I do feel very sorry for, I will say, and I know Cecil, I don't agree on this because he's a good person and I'm not. (laughs) And that's the truth. That's just the absolute, honest to God, recognizable (laughs) (laughs) truth. But like those guys are influential. They, 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 they wield a big megaphone and, and the, the power of that megaphone, when they go like, I can't help it. I'm like, yeah, the world's better. Yeah. The world's better because yeah. your megaphone, you use that, and other people believed you, and maybe you believed it too, but like, it's important not to be wrong sometimes.
3: I just it picture is.
4: Tom sitting over there and he's got all their faces on a big bingo card. He's like, check,
1: <laughs> check. He, check. Just, he just walks up to the wall, crumples up their papers, throws it away, goes to the next one. I just yeah. walk over, swipe left.
6: <laughs> 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 Rejected,
1: bitch. Uh, Seth, if people were going to find your show somewhere or find you on the internet, where would they look?
4: Uh, I'm easy to find. I host a website and online community called The Thinking Atheist. I always like to say I am not The Thinking Atheist. It is an idea. It is an encouragement that we reject faith and embrace reason. The website is thethinkingatheist.com or you can find my personal page at sethandrews.com.
1: Seth, thanks so much for coming on our yeah, 600th episode and joining us. We appreciate it.
4: Congratulations, guys. I am so excited for all of you. And here's to 600 more. <laughs> Hot
6: damn. Hot damn, man. Thank you. <laughs> thanks,
3: bud. Hey, <laughs> 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 well, <I was> gonna... <laughs> <laughs> We did A A A So that's perfect. That's perfect. (laughs) That's
1: it. So we are doing our six hundredth episode and we are joined by some of our favorite guests from the past. And we have invited Marsh and Andy from the Mersey. Is it Mersey? Do I have to say Mersey? Mersey side. You've skeptics? nailed it.
2: You've nailed it. I've only known you for like you- eight years or however many years it's been going and you finally <laughs> I would say
1: Mercy. Learn uh, how mercy to do a hard side. S sound
2: in the it's middle, Merseyside like a Z side sound in the middle.
1: Guys, thank you yeah. for joining us on our 600th episode we're so happy you guys could join us today thank you certainly our pleasure
2: it's a pleasure to be here it's an absolute pleasure to be here and
1: Marsh gotta hand it to you for crushing it on Citation Needed if anybody's listening and didn't and missed the episode where Marsh gave an essay as an expert on homeopathy you did a great (laughs) job Andy if you're ever an expert on anything in the future let us know yep yeah. And we can invite you on. I was just marinating 100%. in
5: the delicious irony of Marsh being called an expert.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Andy, let's, let's go through top three things you're likely to ever become an expert on. We've got all day. There's 600 shows. This the last us in the 700 of the show waiting. Can you be an expert in alcoholism? Because then Andy and I both, I think, get that.
6: Anyway. <laughs>
1: How's things in England? Oh, you've got full shelves, uh, lots of gas. Is it going well over there for you guys? Brexit, killing it? Yeah, things have improved a little bit.
2: Oh, it's, it's utopian. It's utopian. We are, we are yeah. flying our way through the sunlit <laughs> uplands of Brexit land. It's, it's beautiful. We've got the highest COVID cases in Europe. We've got the emptiest shelves in Europe. And there's people literally following gas tankers down the motorway, waiting to see where it stops so they can try and get yeah. some, uh, some petrol Holy out of there. Shelves. Holy which, shit. Which is amazing because they're driving down the motorway using petrol they don't have to try and get them. So by the time they get to the petrol tanker, they may well have driven like half a tank away from their hands. Wasn't um, one
5: of them filled with like slurry or something as well? A concrete, I think, yeah, yeah, there was, concrete, there was yeah. something
2: else. And then the people were angry with the, the, the tanker driver that
1: he didn't have petrol yes. in his tanker. How, <laughs> How dare you? They were angry that he hadn't told they're them. Here, turn an empty! <laughs> He was driving around an empty and they are no, following an empty No, he, he was dude. driving
2: around something, like a tanker of something else, because it's not just <laughs> petrol in tankers. It was just a tanker. And oh, there's a tanker, yeah, we'll follow just it. Like- at that point, you have to just volunteer to fill up his car
6: with whatever you've got. You know, fucking dairy <laughs> yeah, milk, yeah. whatever. Yeah, man, we'll put it yeah. in there. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no, but they,
5: they were annoyed at the tanker driver because he hadn't declared that he wasn't
2: carrying petrol like... <laughs>
6: I mean, down. what? Like at a stoplight or something?
2: Just get out and just wave everybody down. Hey, just let you know. Yeah, semaphore. That's amazing. He should have had yeah, a little sticker on the back of his tanker, like my other tanker is a petrol tanker, just as a <laughs> <laughs> petrol on board. Like
1: <laughs> it's it's funny because in the states we get a chance to. We're, we're, it's not funny because we get a chance to see a lot of people who were COVID deniers, mm. and there's a lot of people who are COVID deniers there. There's places in the United States where you can't even get a hospital mm. bed and lots of people are dying because of COVID. So there's a lot of like, and it's it's like schadenfreude, but it's not really because it's very sad. But w- when it comes to Brexit, do you guys get to just like deliciously eat that schadenfreude? Or oh, do you no. just, it, just because you're suffering, it sucks? I mean, it's the only thing we've got to eat. The shelves are empty. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's forgotten about Brexit. What?
6: How yeah. could they forget about it while really? they're
1: eating the shit of it?
5: Boris Johnson created co- COVID using the Russians in Wuhan in order no. to forget about Brexit. No,
1: no, we're supposed to have the stupid people over here. we're well, not supposed Sorry, to have them. I'm,
5: no, I'm getting confused. I was invited on the Joe Rogan show. i,
2: apologize <laughs> I got my scripts made up next up, I do apologise. Yeah. Well, the other thing is every time they talk about anything that's happening in terms of shortages in this country, none of the news mentions Brexit. So it's like, oh, suddenly we we can't have that. We're having to cull thousands and thousands of pigs because there is a uh, butcher shortage. There's a shortage of abattoir workers, but they don't then say why there's a shortage because there's not a shortage anywhere else. It's just a place that said we don't want you people anymore. Oh shit, yeah. we've got a surplus of pigs wow. and too few people willing to kill them. Oh, shit. and the government's shit.
5: issuing emergency visas or mm. trying to anyway to uh, to foreign workers who can come and drive our trucks.
2: Yeah, and, and they they wanted th- they said oh we'll issue like something like two thousand emergency visas. They got twenty seven applications because we've spent years telling these people to fuck off, and now they're like, "Could you come <laughs> back?" And we're like,
6: "Obviously not." You guys are all the way full circle. Like, won't the immigrants take our jobs?
2: Like, <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Yes, that's exactly where we are. Uh-huh.
1: I, I saw today shit. that there was a story recently where they're they're like gonna get army people to drive your trucks. Yeah, they're. Yeah. The, you guys don't have any people at all to drive things around, so they're going to find like national guard or whatever you call those, like the British. Yeah, well, there's, army there's several
2: groups of people that are trying to encourage to drive to drive trucks. One is uh, army, uh, like soldiers, people like that, which is which is fine. I mean, if they're going to be doing anything, I'd rather they were driving trucks than killing people. So, <laughs> pretty true. pretty yeah. cool use of that. You can do but both. The other- those you are can't do mutually exclusive. We, we can do well, that more. takes Probably us to category all. two. That takes us to category two, which is they're extending the hours drivers are allowed to safely drive. Oh god, I was so they used to be, what? you can't drive more than so many hours a day. I was supposed to be kidding. Yeah, well, just generally, they're like, well, let's just let's just relax the the regulations around how many hours you're allowed to drive, so you can just drive while sleeping, essentially. And then the third category is people who've <laughs> retired from driving trucks for some time who are now going to be, like, invited to, to come back and be truck drivers. All the old, senile, blind people. Uh-huh.
6: So the
5: solution
6: <laughs> is is the elderly and the exhausted, which, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. overlap there to be concerned about. <laughs> ah, it's uh-huh. basically the House of Lords.
5: They're recruiting the House of Lords. <laughs> That's essentially what it is. <laughs> <laughs> who've suddenly found new purpose in life. Mm. Right. I realise that, uh, that 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 uh, Brexit is fertile um, territory, but guys, six hundred fucking episodes. Six hundred yeah, episodes. Six hundred. That's an
1: entire decimal point more than mine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's one way of looking at
1: it. <laughs> Could you imagine how long it would take to make six hundred incredulous? Like there would be, we'd be at the heat death of the universe. <laughs> Special guest is Methuselah. Methuselah,
6: welcome to <laughs> Incredulous,
2: hosted by Confucius. There's just a round where we all have to uh, improvise a rap about the universe's heat death. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is this is why we don't do this show too often. To be honest, this is painful. <laughs>
1: just bring on oh, the oh, apocalypse. <laughs> I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, Russell Brand we sent a mess. we sent a, a story over about Russell Brand um, normally Americans are really stupid but this time a Brit is really stupid and so we figured we'd point it out you know we, we like to point it out every once in a while you know to, you I know, think like it's consider- a good
5: idea I particularly like the fact that after 600 episodes he sent us a link to something we couldn't look at
1: it opens up in the states it it opens up in the states without anything so I'm just saying
2: you can't open it it's just it has a little wrapper across the middle saying you can't read it but if you just scroll up and down you can read around it come on (laughs) innovation Andy (laughs) what you got to do Andy is you got to get a retiree
6: (laughs) uh, who's exhausted to open it up for you yeah just somebody, yeah. that's definitely yeah. the way. That's probably See the problem. if there's
1: some Eastern European that can show you how to use your browser. <laughs> <laughs> Give yeah. him an emergency <laughs> visa, Andy. <laughs> yeah. <from> visa. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, I'll tell you what. I'll take a visa to drive a truck over in England. Are you kidding me? Get me out of here for crying out Jesus loud. Jesus Christ. Although, yeah. it I don't feels think that- like we're em- em- exporting our stupid, though. I mean, it feels like, like you guys are having, you guys, you guys are having like QAnon stuff. Mm. You guys are having like, marches against masks, I'm sure, right? just demonstrates the nature of the special relationship, doesn't (laughs) it, (laughs) Yeah, right, yeah. What what really
2: makes a point is when you see some of the marches, I was sent uh, footage from one of the marches in London, and there's someone there in the march. Obviously, they've got their Trump signs in the middle of the march about masks. They've got their QAnon signs. There was someone there with a Confederate flag What in the middle of the march.
6: Yeah, why the fuck have you got that? What do they think? What are you thinking? The goal... (laughs) You know, (laughs) that is very confusing
5: on so many levels. It's incredibly confusing. You know, in that film, Marsh, if you skip to the end, do all of the other protesters rally around and get them to take the flag down? No, no,
2: no, no <laughs> one mentions it. Just like no one mentions all the signs they've got accusing people of being pedophiles. No one mentions that they've spelt it P-E-D-O, which is the American <laughs> way, which just shows how much influence this has. Like you're, oh, get, you're no. getting these people to use the American spelling because they're seeing these claims in American. Oh my god! In wherever, whatever Telegram group they're in, and whatever various things are, uh, they're, they're sort of coming across online. It's all through bizarre Telegram groups that I spend a lot of my
5: time in. <laughs> Don't you think it's uh, a weird, a, a, a weird weird thing though because it's not copy and paste it's copy and paint isn't it, <laughs> <laughs> it
6: can, like paint it onto a banner
1: right yeah, yeah. It's copy and
6: paint. Yeah. yeah yeah you know
5: backward in so many ways I
6: remember reading like many years ago like America's biggest export was culture and it mm. this is not what we thought that was going to be. mean <laughs> yeah yeah, no what was he no. meant to mean, Tom? Well, I think it's music <laughs> in Hollywood. Like, I think that's what, and not mm. fucking lunatics carrying
1: signs spelled <laughs> <wrong>. <laughs> I Amazing. the thing about the thing about Russell Brand when he's talking about oh, he he's certainly in this in this article he talks about uh, they're talking about how he's boosting his views on YouTube by essentially catering to right wing talking points mm. over here and the right wing talking points are essentially don't trust the government the vaccine isn't real or the vaccine is bad for you or you should go with these very cheap drugs like ivermectin because that's going to cure your COVID even though none of that's been proven. One thing I got to ask, because we don't have a national health care system over here, so you could easily find some jackass doctor to write you a a prescription for ivermectin if you needed it, although you probably couldn't buy it now because it's probably all off the shelves. Could you do that in a national healthcare system? Are there jackass doctors in the national healthcare system, or is there something that, did that would they have to answer to somebody for doing something? Yeah, like I'm that? actually real curious about that too.
2: Yeah, so the way it would work in the UK is y- yes, there are some doctors like that who would. So there's doctors who prescribe all sorts of um, uh, bizarre things, and they're allowed to do that if you're a practicing GP, uh, which is general practitioner. I don't know if that's a term used in, U- in the US, but um, uh, you're allowed to do that as long as you, you're allowed to do a, an off-label pr- uh, prescription, as long as you are a, a GP with uh, with um, <clears throat> prescribing rights the chances of finding a GP like that is actually quite slim so for example I think there's maybe 50 or 60 GPs in the UK who are also homeopaths so they also they obviously got quite a low standard of, uh, of evidence but <laughs> yeah. we've got thousands of GPs so like percentage wise it's, it's quite small so I, I think the majority of people and there are people in the UK taking uh, ivermectin I think the majority of those are finding it online um, or they're doing yeah. what I saw in uh, one telegram group that I follow which is they're making natural ivermectin. Wait, what? Which is like... Homebrew yeah, ivermectin? Like, but it's not. It's just fucking lemon juice in water or something like <laughs> that that they're calling organic natural ivermectin That's because a, what? obviously... That's actually better. Yeah. Really
1: better than ivermectin because people were ODing on ivermectin here. So, because they were yeah, taking yeah. the horse pills. They were taking the big ones. So they'd go to like the farm and fleet out here where they give the... This dewormer to horses and they just pop like a whole horse bell. Yeah, yeah. and then they call poison control. They're like, dude, they're not that's not a horse so suppository, good. first yeah. of all. That's, <laughs> I mean, like, bravo, but still I'd much rather have them eating fucking lemon rind or but, whatever though. Yeah. I think that's, exactly. that's you know, there's some yeah.
6: fucking hipsters, like, dude, have you tried my homebrew iver- ivermectin? It's uh <laughs> you gotta fucking choke it down and tell them it's good. Like it's fucking awful. It's the worst thing you've ever had, but you don't want to be rude because this is ivermectin party.
3: <laughs>
2: Fuck. But it's it's weird because all that stuff is is coming from like channels like um, David Avocado Wolf on Telegram, and you see the the same names that we in yeah. skepticism have been seeing yeah, for yeah. a decade. Yeah, they, they've disappeared largely off uh, the. You won't stumble across their bullshit on on their website anymore. You won't necessarily even stumble across their bullshit on Facebook in the same way you used to. But it's just all throughout Telegram, and that's somewhere that nobody's looking. It's like when people are forwarding WhatsApp uh, messages and, and how we can't track that. It's just there's a, a, a subculture, an underground of this uh, this, this ecosystem of conspiracy uh, cross-pollination that's happening, that very few people are even aware is happening, so no one's able to really really track it. It's, uh, it's pretty scary stuff. Just to add a bit more to
5: Marshy's answer on the doctor thing, I, I went to um, India a long time ago now, but I wanted some antibiotics to take with me just in case. And he said, I can't prescribe you those on the NHS, but I can prescribe them for you privately. So I had to pay him a fee and basically he can (laughs) prescribe what he wants, but Mm. it's also true, it's true. What, did he use his left
6: hand to write the prescription (laughs) instead of his right? Did he have to hold the dollar bill over the pen or whatever? (laughs) But
5: we have a second line of defense because pharmacies in the UK can refuse prescriptions, and they can change prescriptions, as in a doctor can prescribe. If a doctor prescribes a a drug uh, and the pharmacist decides that they want to replace it with a generic that's less expensive, they can do that. So all the drug companies lobby the doctors to prescribe their stuff, but by the time they get to the pharmacy, the pharmacy can change that, pres- refuse that prescription, or they can change it to a different brand. So the concept of like invermectin is a brand name, isn't it? So yeah, it's, it's not, a Merck drug. Yeah. yeah. So depending on if the drug is ten years old or not, it could easily be replaced by the pharmacist with an equivalent. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's definitely water, out of.
2: Yeah, ivermectin's definitely out of, uh, out of, yeah, um, out patent. of patent for a long time. I didn't know that, is, didn't know that pharmacists too. could uh, reject uh, prescriptions. I knew that they could yeah. switch for a, a generic alternative, because I think that was something mm. that was brought in relatively recently. Um, but I'm not an expert on the pharmacy regulations. The, 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 the pharmacist, yeah, the regulations.
5: pharmacist is, the, is the expert in terms of the chemistry. And mm. um, if a doctor, for example, has mistakenly prescribed drugs which... Clash with each other. That's not the correct word, is it? Um, then they can they can make an intervention in that mm. prescription. But they can't reason. do
2: it from a, from an ethical or moral stance. It's not like America, where you can say, "Well, I have a religious exemption to uh, prescribing uh, birth control." It, we don't have that yeah, kind after of rejection. I, I, I think have it's seen, only. I
5: have, I have seen stories about it, but I don't think it's allowed. No. Mm. Oh, so they it do. Okay, so there's no like conscience of, laws.
6: Yeah. There's no no no. Okay, because yeah. there are conscience laws in parts of our country where like. If you go to get Plan B, for example, there are pharmacists in some states that can be like, yeah, my conscience doesn't require me to provide this to you. And then you just can't get medicine that you should have access yeah, to. So I stupid.
2: don't think we have that. So I think stupid. that would be something that uh, the, the pharmacy regulator, the GPHC would have go
1: at. Do you guys have politics? So we have politicians at this point that are, that are pumping and pushing ivermectin. Do you have any politicians that are doing, that are undermining sort of COVID treatments and COVID protocols? Because we have several.
2: Yeah, so I think I'm trying to think off the top of my head of uh, of which politicians that would be. There's there's definitely some I think from some of the more fringe parties, maybe not sitting MPs. So I, I don't think there's any sitting MPs doing it, unless you can think of any, uh, Andy. No, I can't. I think there's actually been a deliberate
5: broad consensus on the issue, treating it. So in times of crisis, one thing that we do do is eventually we come together in a positive direction. That must be I think nice. What that must <laughs> be I think nice. Well, it's happened here. It happened on it's happened on matters of the economy
2: in the past as well. Well, uh, I've got a much more cynical crisis. I've got a much more cynical version of what what's happened, Andy, okay, is that cool. here, our uh, Conservatives are in power, whereas in America, it's the Democrats that are in power and the Conservatives are out of power. So the, it's much easier to keep uh, our version of the Republicans in line when you're the ones actually in power, when you're already in power here, whereas obviously mm. they're the uh, opposing party in the US, and so they don't have quite as much top-down uh, control as, as Boris would have over his MPs. Because the bullshit's not coming from Labour and it's not coming from the Lib Dems. It's coming from the right-wing nutters,
5: basically.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, and there's plenty of idiots like
5: uh, Russell Brand contributing. I don't think Russell Brand is particularly the worst example of this.
1: No. Because
5: at least he has one of the things he is doing, for what I believe are cynical reasons, which I'll come to in a minute, but what he's doing is he's saying, it's not my job to give you health advice. I'm not telling you take it. I'm not telling you don't take it either. Um, so, And he, he he talks about science and He's sort of, if you think about the worst version of an anti-vaxxer, he's probably about 60% of the way there, I'd say. Um, yeah. But one of the things I really dislike and find insidious about his uh, his work is exactly that. He sits on the fence and doesn't express a view. And the problem I've got with that is that it kind of belies his view. Because Facebook and YouTube and all the social medias Really cracking down on this sort of thing, aren't they? And if he yeah. came out and said, "I'm against vaccinations," yeah. he'd be at risk of having his five grand a week um, yeah. hobby taken away from him. So, yeah. but if he if he's got any sense of ethical values, he can't say overtly, "I think it's a good idea." If he thinks the opposite, so I think he's sitting on the fence for that reason, because he doesn't want to compromise his social medias. And he doesn't want to lose his, uh, lose his revenue. It's the his problem of the just views. asking
6: questions guy, though. The just yeah, asking that's, that's questions exactly. guy classic, is asking bullshit
2: questions that are rhetorical. And not answering in, them. Yeah. And not right. answering them. Yeah. And it's it's which questions yeah. you're asking as well, because the questions he his he's asking aren't um, what is the 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 best way to go about getting vaccinated and how how best to talk to to people who are who are anti-vax. The questions he is asking are the ones that undermine trust in the vaccine. So if you're just asking questions, right. but all your questions are aimed at undermining trust in the science and the yeah. vaccines, you're an anti-vaxer at that point. You're yeah. just hiding behind this bullshit veneer of impartiality and um, just
6: and- asking questions without any actual desire to reach a solution has and it has an intrinsically undermining value like it's like yeah. it, it's your exact point andy like if i'm just going to be like well you know i'm going to walk that line you're walking that line because you don't have the courage to say what you actually mean or because you mm. know that by putting those questions out there you can be the fucking water under the foundation you can be constantly eroding yeah. and constantly an erosive it, it, force and
5: it doesn't add anything to anything it's just fear uncertainty and doubt it's right. people's basest yeah. un- un- insecurities that it appeals to, and that's that's the main reason I really dislike the Russell Brand stuff, because it's all for him with no actual you know value to the
2: argument yeah. whatsoever. Right, it's all about who you're talking to as well. So I, I think the the fact that he'll um, have people on who've got much more extreme views and then offer very little, if any, pushback to them. He can come yeah, across sure. as being, I'm just talking to people from all sorts of different uh, perspectives. The perspectives you're coming from are pretty clear. And then when he's when he's talking to people with uh, quite extreme views and doesn't offer a pushback, and then he talks to people on the other side and offers quite a robust pushback, it's pretty clear from the audience's point of view what they're meant to be taking from this. And it reminds me, there was a report done by, um, I forget which, which um, organization uh, it was, uh, but it was a report called the Alternative Influence Network, which looked at the way Ways that people get uh, radicalised through YouTube just through watching people talking to people talking to people and you can end up with white supremacists and with you know Stefan Molyneux and rape apologists and men's rights activists by starting at the places that are much more um, your Joe Rogan types where Joe Rogan can say look I'm not the one saying that you shouldn't get vaccinated I'm not the one saying that uh, you know feminism is cancer but you are talking to the people who are saying that and you're not offering a real pushback and when people when you're massive audience then sees you talking to this person, they think, oh, that guy seemed reasonable. I'm going to follow his channel. And maybe he's not the guy saying the really awful stuff, but he's the gateway to the guy who is saying that. And this report just just spider diagrammed starting from this one YouTube channel, who have you ever spoken to? And then who've they ever spoken to? And just showed you the the, the network that was there. And from this entry point that could seem quite reasonable, you quickly, within a few clicks, get into really dodgy stuff. And, And that entry point is Russell Brand's role right now. The reasonable entry you know. point to a world of of, of of conspiracy theory.
1: And the algorithm will bring you there too. Like Absolutely. the algorithm of YouTube will will, will radicalize you too, because it it, it pr- does suggested videos and it'll just radicalise you through that too. So yeah. you get it from two different ways, not only through organically through that, through that person who's interviewing these terrible people, but it's also suggesting terrible people on the side.
2: And it's people. it's the way you frame mm. your videos as well. Because he's framing his videos with kind of the clickbait um, you'll never believe what this yeah, says about you know, yeah, Biden's yeah. wrong, Hillary's this. And then when you watch the video, he never actually fulfills on that. He kind of wishy washes his way around it because he knows that you can get so many clicks by being that. By the title um, alone. Sure. Yeah, by the title alone. But then you're also embedding that viewpoint in people from the title alone because Would they you, might not watch the entire thing. Do you remember when we, we used that. to play that game? Like how many steps removed were you from Kevin
6: Bacon? You know, yeah. yeah. now it's like, seriously, now you can play that with YouTube or Facebook or Telegraph. Like how many steps removed are you from any, any starting point to like white supremacy or anti-vax or, and it's not seven steps. I would be willing, I would seriously, I'd be willing to bet I could go into YouTube, enter virtually any search term that is health related and get to this kind of bullshit in under seven clicks. We are, we are like, we're a hair's breadth away all the time. Mm-hmm. From that, like, from that fucking Kevin Bacon, except for now, Kevin Bacon's got a Confederate flag that he's running around <laughs> England with for no apparent reason.
5: Oh yeah, <laughs> with no mask on, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> looking for a, looking for a visa, right? Yeah. You know, he's just trying to get a truck driving visa. So now we're going
5: to recognize him and say they're only seven <laughs> steps away from him. We're <laughs> going to get a shitty <laughs> email now from Kevin Bacon, like, "Hey man,
2: I've been a listener for a long time." <laughs> there was a, there was a really interesting study looked at exactly this on TikTok they were saying if you, if you just sort of somebody set up a brand new fresh account on TikTok and followed 14 people and they're 14 people who were known for expressing uh, transphobic, they put it, gender critical views and they only followed those 14 videos, uh, those 14 uh, people, no one else and within a couple of scrolls, like, I think an hour's worth of scrolling or something, they were seeing literal swastikas and, uh, and white supremacist Jesus content Christ. and they didn't interact with those, uh, those videos, they were only interacting with the initial 14 people who were just expressing transphobic views and then you were so s- quickly into yeah. neonat stuff. It doesn't take much yeah, to get you sure. very quickly from an already abhorrent position into literal sure. nazism. There's a part of this article though that I wanted to bring up
6: um, and it's actually part of the article I have the biggest problem with and I it's from it's the, the experts I at the bottom. Read. <laughs> 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 and He's it's at the it's, bottom. Oh no. It's, it's from yeah, I'm sorry Andy, it's from it's toward the, <laughs> the bottom and it's from the experts. Um and I really dislike it um, for a number of reasons. I wanted to get your take on it. So um, Dr. Sadia Khan, an epidemiologist and assistant professor of medicine at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine, which by the way, I wanna recognize that I automatically have no right next to criticize what she's gonna say. (laughs) She told the Daily Beast, while she would never have any issue with brand or anyone else asking questions about the vaccine or being hesitant to take it, she says it's important to get their answers from a trusted source. Then what she says Mm. in the quote, I think it's really important for everyone to think for themselves. I'm not frustrated at all by individual-level questions, by individual-level discussion, or making sure that individual concerns are, are addressed. What's frustrating is when there's not a national conversation, when there's misinformation or blatant lies as related to FDA approval. Dr. Rebecca Weinstraub, an assistant professor in the Department of Global Health and Social Medicine at Harvard Medical School, agrees, I think the most important thing is going to the source and looking at the original data for these discussions and decisions. And I read those two in concert with one another, and I really have an issue with that. The vast majority of people have, and, and, and this is not hyperbole. I mean, most people don't go to college. Most people who go to college don't study science. Most people who study science don't study epidemiology, mm-hmm. right? So most people are not going to be intellectually or experientially prepared to read primary source material Correct. in epidemiological yeah. literature. And oh, I'll yeah. put my fucking hand up first. Yeah, me and too, I me think too. This I talked to idea, Alice about
2: this cuz she's an expert in that area.
6: Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think we are we are we are constantly telling people do your own research, think for yourself, go to the sources. But people don't even one we don't all have access to those sources. Most of them are behind a paywall. They may or may not even be written in a language that's your first language, right? Like if hmm. I want to read the Argentinian study on Ivermectin, well fuck me, I can't read that. And then also I'm a guy with an English lit degree. I don't know how to read a meta-analysis or do any kind of a statistical regression or to know whether confidence intervals in a medical study, what those things mean. They're written effectively, even if they're in my first language, in a language I'm untrained to read. Mm -hmm. But we tell people all the time, go to the primary sources, go to the primary sources. But the primary sources are effectively written in a way that most, almost everybody is unprepared educationally, experientially to read. I think that's bad advice, because it tells people don't trust the experts who have told you, who have parsed this data, right? There are experts who have parsed this data. And now we're saying this is an individual level decision to make at a primary source level. Hmm. And I can't think of, honestly, like that kind of undermines the expertise. That kind of undermines the advice of the WHO and the CDC and the other guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, from the person in the in, the, in the, the the experts in the article, I can understand why they'd say I'd never um, discourage individual disc like discussions at an individual level because what they want to do is to say. If you are someone who ha- who personally has concerns, I don't want to shut you off from talking to someone who might be able to allay those concerns to say like if at an individual level, I'd rather be talking to someone who's saying, hey, what should I do, rather than saying no, 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 this is just a blanket thing. But I think you're absolutely right that telling people to go away to to just look at the source. Um, I can't go through the the literature on you know, Mecton. I can't right. go through that and, and understand that. And even if I, you know, I've got I've I've read plenty of studies. I'm better at it than I used to be. But even if even though. I can understand the language of it, I can't spot the subtleties of it. And, and you look at the big study that was um, out, of, uh, out of Egypt and was retracted because they have been literally faking loads of data. I can't look at a data table and say, hang on, those two patients seem to be exactly the same patients. You're just cloning patients here to inflate your numbers. Or so I can't look through and say, that I can't identify that date of admission um, is actually later than the date of, uh, of of the death right so you've faked your data here you know i can't spot those level of, of fakery so i would have just taken that study and said well if i'm supposed to be reading that study that study looks legit to me i can't see the problems with it i'm not experienced enough to do that right so right. Is
5: the, do we think that the advice to go and check the source material is a cop-out or is it naive or is it something else it, to me, honestly, it it's feels pandering.
1: pandering. Yes, exactly. It's pandering. Thank you. It's, pand- it's pandering to people who over here, I, and, and and I don't know how it is over there, but it, over here it is my freedoms. Mm. I, like what it is is personal liberty versus public health. Right. That's what we're dealing with right now is, there is, a, there is a, there's two moral forces. One sees the other one as completely morally abhorrent the one on the one on the one side is a group of people who are saying my personal freedom overrides everything else and the other side is saying no public health is very important and we need to pay attention to public health. And those two are, are butting mm. heads right now. And I don't know if that's as strong as it is over there, but it definitely is a huge I mean, go to any place in our in our country that has strong right or libertarian leanings, and it is one hundred percent full hospitals.
2: Yeah, it's it's similar here, maybe not quite the same strength, but certainly the people who are protesting, that is what they're protesting on. And I and I even right. that I wonder. You know the same ones who are carrying Confederate flags and spelling pedophile with uh, with with no a in it. I wonder if that's an inheritance of American culture. Like genuinely, I wonder if that kind of that sure, feel yeah. of, of sure. personal freedom and liberty um, is yeah. is just a, a holdover from the fact that we do get so um, so infused with yeah. your culture war. Basically, is <laughs> is fought on our shores. Yeah, I wonder what the alternative
5: version of that though is. So if. Um uh, was it Kahn or Weintraub? If if what they'd said instead was, uh, instead of saying, you know, do your own research, if what they'd said was, well, trust the experts, that's not going to yeah. wash either, no. is it? I think it's a really problematic communication thing, you know?
6: Yeah, but I mean, like, shouldn't the advice be, and they they allude to it, like, speak with your healthcare provider about your healthcare decisions. Mm. Like, go mm. to the people that you trust for all of the other healthcare that you trust. You know, yeah. it's, it's not... It's not something that, that we're not already tuned to doing. I think we need to draw that analogy back and say this one decision should not be weirdly divorced from your other medical decisions. If I have mm-hmm. a heart attack, I don't like go online and see if I can whip up some like homebrew sure. nitroglycerin pill. Like I yeah, go to the yeah. fucking hospital. You know? Yeah.
1: Well, and they go to the hospital with COVID though, too, right. Tom. And that's the thing is like when it gets too bad, everybody goes to the hospital. There's very hmm. few people that are just like, I'll just tough this out. Yeah. They, yeah. Everybody goes, even the most right. even the most vicious anti-vaxxer goes to the hospital when they're when the chips are down. Hmm. Everybody does it. So it's it's a you know, I'm I'm not saying everybody, but I mean there's it's a great there's a great the majority lot of them the that head yeah, out. Yeah, and, right. yeah, yeah, they head out to the hospital. If they I don't care how badly they've they've bitched about COVID. The other problem too is is that people will hear an answer and then they or or something will be rectified and they still don't care and for instance here in the states we had the FDA give emergency use authorization for our vaccine mm. so what that meant was is they went off this study it was a large study and they said you know what it's good enough people need this vaccine in, in healthcare and in other places we're going to give an emergency use from the FDA it's not as it's not as stringent as we normally would be but we're going to give it out well, a bunch of people that were fighting against the vaccine essentially said, "Well, it's an emergency use. I'm not going to I'm not going to take an emergency use." I'm not going to take that. I'm going to take that. Well, they took away the emergency use. Six or seven months later, and those people are still not getting vaccinated. Mm. Yeah. So it's mm. you know it, it was just a, all it was was a, a, a temporary crush. that then they are going to find it's just something right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because right. yeah. ultimately, yeah. what what people
2: do is they 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 give you the uh, the justification they think will work in that situation, and they may even believe sure. that that's their justification in that situation. Sure. But mm. the reason they're anti-vax is never the reason they're telling you. It's something else, and it's kind of one of the yeah. reasons yeah. I do be reasonable is to try to say like the thing that people tell you is their belief. That's just a bit of their belief that they, they think is the most persuasive to you but it's very rarely the thing that was persuasive to them yeah, it's just sure. we, we make our decisions based on our gut instinct and our identity and our values and how we see the world and how the world fits with us and then we backfill yeah. that with justifications to, to explain why we think what we do we don't do it the other way around That that's the perverse thing that we're trying to do is to say I'm going to try <laughs> yeah. and change my views on evidence that's that's not the natural right. human condition that's what we're sort of fighting against the, the other
5: thing that really annoyed me about, um, about Russell Brand in this earlier article, is that um, he references, um, in one of his videos I watched, I can't remember which one, he, he references um, uh, Joe Rogan's bullshit treatments for when he was on yeah. tour and he caught, yeah. so he had like vitamin C infusions, he had Invermectin, he had this, he had that, he had the other, um, but monoclonal antibodies. Yeah, and the monoclonal <laughs> antibodies that probably helps. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, let's, not, one, yeah. let's not let's not like, let's not talk just, about the stuff I mean, that might work. And like just, yeah, not being in an, an age
6: group that's really high risk. But you know, well, yeah, it's yeah, not exactly. just that. The, being that's very not fit.
5: the insidious part. The insidious part is it's completely all of that is treatment, not prevention. All of that is treatment. Mm. It's not to do with reducing the number of infections. And what really, really angered me about it is the lack of context presented there. Because I'm perfect. One of the things I do like that he talks about is the politicization of treatments and how they become political collateral and how the media spins things one way or the other, depending on which way the wind's blowing. You know, I've I've got sympathy with those points of view. But when he's the one in the middle who's muddying the waters, confusing the idea of treatments that you get once you've got the disease Mm. with the idea of vaccines, which do a completely different – their role is completely different to the idea of anything, bullshit or not, which is used to treat the symptoms of COVID. And I just – it made me really angry Watching that, and and the fa- and it shows the difference in journalistic integrity when you get somebody like Russell Brand, who's good-looking, tall, semi-famous um, bloke with an English accent who knows a lot of big words and has a colourful history and a big social profile.
8: Mm-hmm. He comes
5: on, and it's it's Russell Brand that's muddying the waters. It's Russell Brand that's confusing the two different. Uh, lines of attack, those being Mm. treatment and prevention opportunities. I just, I really hate that. You know, whatever redeeming qualities he's got, he's guilty of that. Well, he him. is, and
2: it's 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 a real shame because I, I used to quite like Russell Brand back when he was you know doing stand up and when he was um, on uh, BBC Two, he used to have a late night radio show on BBC Two, and he was he was yeah. pretty good. But the problem with Brand is that he has, and he's obviously a- admitted this, uh, a deeply addictive personality. And at one point, that that addiction was to heroin, and then for a while he was um, having sex with fans, you know, two three at a time for for several years, and what? that was his life. Was yeah, he was well, he was.
5: A, find, it's problematic because you've got to find somewhere to plug him in. Every- every time it's a nightmare
2: <laughs> is that why you've got a fan behind you Andy <laughs> <laughs> but then depression. He, was, he was a serial womanizer and that was like that was a big part of his persona His char- he's a charismatic egotist and the problem is he then went and kind of went on this kind of spiritual journey to try and cleanse himself from all those problematic behaviours and he's not an unintelligent man he went back to university and actually did some proper study and things but the problem is he's someone with an addictive personality and part of that addiction is to attention and And he's not somebody who has a voice in his brain saying, hang on, is that right? Hang on, are you right about that? He gets carried away. In my opinion, he gets carried away with himself and then becomes this charismatic guru figure um, surrounded by people who are just going to say yes to him. And I think this is just a big negative feedback loop, which is happening again in his life and is unfortunately taking people with it into damaging places. And is being fed by YouTube dollars now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's become a thing now. He's got 4
5: million subscribers now. That's a proper business, right? Yeah, Because yeah. he's Absolutely.
2: he's eloquent, he's eloquent and he's charismatic, but those are yeah. those are, are tools. That, they're not that qualities. Be eloquent. And, uh, yeah. You can. They're, they're tools <laughs> that can be can be turned to good and bad. And I don't think he's um, somebody who spends a lot of time looking to distinguish which one of the two he's doing at any oh. given point. He just rolls with where he's going. I just wrote dollar sign <laughs> dollar sign Cecil
1: <laughs> Tom mm. Tom. Write down 4 million subscribers because I think that's also necessary to make money on Yeah, well, yeah I think the we need to bit. make sure that I just that yeah. need to be eloquent. Yeah.
6: Then I need to be charming. I'm neither. You need yeah, to no, English. Okay, forget it. No, we're, we're, just, we're giving up on Skin, this early. Skinny We're, we're going to scrap this hair. plan early. Skinny jeans. Yes, yeah, you want, want Nobody wants scrap. me in skinny jeans, Marge. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: not You the big Skinny jeans. Guys, guys, if people were going to find you... Okay, we'll start with Andy. Andy, if people were going to find back episodes of Incredulous (laughs) from like... Three, four years ago. From where The invention of the microphone. If you,
5: go to the, uh, if you go to the South African tundra, there's a, few. there's a few rolling around the dunes. You can find them there. Or you could just type Incredulous with a K into anything. Well, not a word
2: not a word processor. Don't type in yeah. the word processor. Yeah. Well Marsh,
1: f- if people were gonna find you on the internet, where would they live? Well
2: the first ep- I'll point out the first episode of Incredulous was actually a cave painting. It goes back uh, that far That's how, how long was it? Yeah, that was that was episode one we're on 60 now and uh, now if you want to find me uh, you can find uh, Be Reasonable the show I do where I talk to people I disagree with or I'm editor of the Skeptic Magazine if you go to skeptic.org.uk you'll see uh, how we do skepticism in the UK uh, wonderful
1: publication uh, yeah. yeah absolutely we're patrons yep. you are and thank you so much of, yeah, uh, the, the support we yeah, get is yeah. really really valuable to us it's 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 very very useful, and you're also on Skeptics with the K, right? I
2: am. I'm a, a regular. I've been on Skeptics with the K for I think 12 years now, but we're nowhere near 600 episodes. You're you're way ahead. This is the problem with <laughs> doing a fortnightly show. You quickly get outstripped by people, and now we've seen an embarrassingly yeah. <laughs> low. Um, but yeah, we do sort of uh, original skeptical journalism on that show every every fortnight. So check it out if you're interested in that. See, so I'm just happy that we got
6: both vitamin and Fortnite into this record. That's just <laughs> I know. I'm good. I'm, I'm happy good. To. That's the only reason I'm I wanted good. you guys I'm here. Good. I wanted
1: vitamin, I'm, and now I now I'm gonna go try on some skinny jeans. So, guys, thanks for joining us. I That's appreciate okay. you guys coming on. We both appreciate you coming on and yeah, on our 600th. We well, very much. enjoy every Massive time pleasure. On well done again,
2: 600 guys. It's a, it's a great Such achievement. I'm sure achievement. We'll, we'll you'll be doing 600 more at least.
5: Who knew that a couple of American wankers could do it? <laughs> <laughs> hope for everyone.
1: You're breaking up, Andy. You're breaking up. You're you're breaking <laughs> up. I'm sorry. I'm going under a You're not synced anymore. <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> So that is going to wrap up our 600th episode. Tom, I have to say, yep. 600 episodes. It's been my absolute pleasure to sit across from you, and just have fun, brother. Oh, man. Just have a good time. I, 600 episodes, but it's been an absolute wonderful journey and it's been a lot of fun. It
6: has, man. I, honestly, this show has changed my life. And I, I got to tell you, you asked me in the car, I still remember the car ride. Yeah, you asked yeah, me, yeah, yeah. Do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Like, I'll just say yes <laughs> yeah, to yeah, shit yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just say yes and then yeah. you called and you're like we're doing it tonight Yeah, and I was like "Oh, yeah I'll wing that uh-huh. and brother it has been the honor of my life to wing it 600, I, 600 times, times with you buddy
1: you know what's funny too is, is we we were doing Everyone's a Critic for a couple years yeah. and then we decided to break off um, uh, Cog yes, what well, well, we didn't even know the name of it at the time we're just like no, let's yeah. break it off um, and we sat on my couch and yeah, I, remember I right. called Cog disc <laughs> yeah. But we didn't know at the time, we didn't know yeah. what we were going to call it and we were going to keep Everyone's a Critic. But um, Everyone's a Critic died out relatively quickly and Cognitive Distance became the podcast that we decided to do because it was the things that we were the most passionate about that we pulled out of the other one. Um, but it's it, it was one of those moments too, like like we knew when we started doing it how much, how much fun it was to talk about the things that we really wanted to talk about. Yeah. I think from the very beginning of when we started that other show, and uh, and it's been a such a great, a great uh, journey. You know what I mean? Like, did the, you ever think we'd do six hundred of them? You know what? I never thought. Uh, I didn't. I, I never thought we'd do six hundred. You know, because the thing is, is like you wind up with, you wind up with uh, a lot of a lot of projects that anybody does. It th- they, they Wait, normally, you they, and I have had a bunch of out. projects that fizzled out. They fade, they fade yeah. away. They just fade right. out. And, you know, I never thought we'd do a live show in England. I never oh thought God, we'd no. do a live show in Australia. Australia. I, you know, I just never thought we'd do those live shows anywhere. I never yeah. thought, I never really thought people were going to listen uh, as much as they do. Right. And, Me you know, the one, of the one of the best things about this show is just getting messages from people who enjoy it and who uh, want to talk to us. And meeting people who who like what we do and talk to us when we go out, I'm I'm never more humbled than when I go out and meet people who listen to the show. I'm never more humbled than that. Yeah. Like it's it's a it's a it's a very humbling experience to know that that people spend their time, their moments of their life, this time that they can't get back, listening to us. I it, I remember and I'm, I'm always grateful for that. So I, I
6: remember the first time we got an email. From a listener overseas. Yeah, overseas. Yeah. And I'd never even been overseas. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I was like, whoa, man. Somebody's listening to us from across the ocean. I just I just realized in that moment the power that a medium like this has. Sure, yeah. And I remember just being floored and I still feel floored.
1: Me too. I still feel
6: absolutely blown away when we get messages from all corners and just, Hey, I listen. And I'm like, really? Why?
1: Yeah. Oh, the, <laughs> I get, I, I love it though. Cause they'll send a message and they'll, you know, they, they there's, it's rare. You know, we, we talk about hate mail. We, we rarely get hate no. mail. Um, the people who stop listening to us, who were mad at us, stopped listening long, ago, long ago. Um, you know, and, and that's fine. We didn't want them listening anyway. Um, we've had, we've had a great audience. We've had a great group of people. We had a great community. And, uh, and I couldn't be happier with the product that we put out. I'm always happy and always proud of what we do. So um I want to thank everybody who's listened to even if it's just your first show. Yeah. thank you very much. The reason why we do this is because people listen and uh and we thank you so much for listening to us and for uh for you know supporting us for so long. it's been it's been a it's been an absolute pleasure
6: and to all of our patrons a special thank you. You guys have made 600 episodes possible. absolutely. We would not be at 600 without the support of our listeners and, and specifically our patrons. Yeah, for sure. Um, Ian thanks you. Sarah thanks you. Yeah. And we thank you.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank you, thank you. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. We will be back next week uh, with another show. And then on the live stream next Thursday, we will be coming back. We skipped a couple of weeks, but we're going to be coming back uh, and we're going to be having a great time on the live stream. Come check us out. YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, 9 p.m. Central. That's going to wrap it up for our 600th episode. We're going to leave you like we always do. The previous 600 episodes episodes. (laughs) with the skeptics creed.
8: Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter. Mommy issue. Hypno Babylon. Bullshit.